Welcome to Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. Brought to you by azfirearms.com, the biggest little gun shop in Arizona. I am your host, Cheryl Todd, and we are here today with Kevin Dixie of the No Other Choice Firearms Training Company. Now, that is really pretty interesting name. Where did that come from? What, what caused you to choose NOC, No Other Choice? Well, Cheryl, first I want to say thanks for having me on today with you. Absolutely. Greatly, greatly appreciate it. So No Other Choice uh, stems from the philosophy to make sure that any kind of training we do, um, firearms training, any weapon manipulations you learn, any skill set you learn through training, please understand that it is an emergency pack. It is truly No Other Choice. Uh, so much so if the law even looks like it's descriptive to give you the right to impact the human life by using a deadly force, want to make sure morally you're at an option of no other choice before you ever exercise that right. So that's the mentality we teach from, and that's the philosophy we like to push forward. See, I think that's really well stated because, you know, how often do we hear people say, well, couldn't you just have shot him in the arm, you know, or can't you just give a warning shot? And when they're coming to Kevin Dixie's place of business and it's called No Other Choice, I think that keeps it very much in the forefront of their mind that what you're training for is to protect your life with deadly force. Is that fair enough to say? That is absolutely fair enough to say. Um, I know different states uh, have different laws. I don't want to speak of the particulars, but here in the state of Missouri, the presentation of a firearm alone in any kind of uh, static or dramatic situation is deadly force, just the presentation of it. So uh, before you even think about pulling that thing out, once it comes out, you're at deadly force already. Now, to the extent that you push that, it's going to be up to the situation and the people involved. Uh, but we want to make sure people aren't just drawing guns, using it as an intimidation device. Mm. You really have to condition the mind to understand that once I go to this firearm, and even when drawing it, there is an option sometimes presented where you to stop because the bad guy now sees, hey, I met a force I don't want to deal with. Mm -hmm. I now want to flee from this situation. Mm -hmm. And we have to make sure we are conditioning the mind to look for those type of things, even though things are happening a gazillion uh, miles a second, but we want to make sure we're looking for those identifying factors to keep people out of legal trouble. And if you can spare a human life, why not? Why not take the opportunity to do so? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, I do want to come back around to talking about the specific kinds of training that you give and the importance of just even, you know, mental conditioning and situational awareness. But when I first became aware of you, you were doing, it was uh, some holiday weekend recently, and you were sitting on your front, uh, front porch, it kind of looked like, doing a live video. Yep. And I just had such an appreciation for um, the areas that you were de delving into because you, you seem to me to be a passionate constitutionalist. Uh, you love our freedoms and you love being able to help people protect our freedoms by doing things safely and correctly. Um, you have come from not the easiest background in the world, and yet you haven't uh, attached a bunch of labels to yourself to say, well, I can only grow so far because pick something, right? Pick, pick mm -hmm. a label that I've slapped on myself. Um, and I, uh, and you were challenging your audience, uh, I felt like in a very effective way 
to look at their own circumstances and to not just pigeonhole themselves into um, a political uh, foxhole, you know, foxhole or, you know, any particular mindset, but to explore the world around them free of, of labels and, and restrictions. And, and I just really, I love that personally. I, you see behind me, I've got a gazillion books on a gazillion <laughs> different topics. And I try to pick books that I think maybe I'm going to disagree with sometimes hmm. to, to challenge myself to think, well, why, why do I disagree with this? So talk about that a little bit, what, what your platform is on, on that kind of thing. Well, when we when we think about, I think that a lot of people, even when you speak of pigeonholing mentalities and compartmentalizing people, we think of uh, gun people as a culture sometimes, unless you're in it. We think of gun people as just crazy bang, bang nuts, right? <laughs> and sometimes we don't, we don't respect the fact that people that like firearms and outdoor sports are thinkers and uh, things of that nature. So I like to kind of go against the grain with that. And I like people to understand that... Um, Sometimes you can be born or just naturally put into a situation and you never explore outside of those boundaries. Mm -hmm. So uh, I like to say that if you are born in, a, in an urban environment, especially where poverty is, uh, is relevant, then you're normally born democratic. That's pretty much the way it works. Um, and it's not saying that any, if you're a Democrat, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with I'm not saying that, hey, you're a Democrat, you, you're, you're a bad person. Sure. What I'm saying is you're born, it's be no different than someone who was born a Republican. If you never look outside of your own natural boundaries, it's in your neighborhood talking to the same people over and over again, you don't get a chance to really enrich yourself. Uh, so even though I come from an environment that was impoverished, it was uh, democratic control, St. Louis City is still a democratic controlled city, it's like, how do I challenge people once I get their attention with a firearm? How do I challenge them to even understand why this object, this thing with a slide and all these bells and whistles on it, why is it really important? Are you just looking at the tangible object that has a cool factor to it? Or are you really looking at it in the freedom it represents? What's standing behind it? Why is this thing so important? Why is it more important than a car? Why is it more important than uh, your favorite bottle of wine? Why is it more important? And then we push the mindset into understanding that it's important because it actually represents written and God-given freedoms. Mm -hmm. So you should understand what's behind it. So every time you depress a trigger or you learn a new technique or we teach you a new skill, you are literally in the celebration of freedom every single time. And so to bask in that and then to challenge the world outside of you brings you to a place where you can say, wow, through a firearm, I've now been exposed to these different areas of life. And now that I got the mind wandering off the Second Amendment, I can get you to read the first and on down the line. So my thing is not to help create people that think like me. I just want to help create critical thinkers where you can, we can all explore different things and, and challenge. And if you want to come back and have a debate with me, awesome, because now you're thinking. Um, so that's what I like to do. And I think that video I had told people, and nothing, once again, I'm not trying to be like anti-Democrat here or anything, mm -mm. but it's a known fact that there is a great chance if you're in an area controlled uh, by the Democratic Party, then it's probably going to be a lot of anti-gun uh, politicians. So thus all the community efforts and all the people in the community are normally going to speak anti-gun. Guns are bad. And where I come from, uh, there is literally two types of people that have firearms. That's what you were told. Cops and criminals. Mm -hmm. So anybody in between had no business having a firearm. And now if you look at how people feel about police and you fast forward that, well, it's like, well, guess what? Now, if you have a gun, because we think now the community is being told cops are bad and you are knowing that criminals have guns and they're bad. So now everybody with a firearm is bad. 
So how can we change that? So the way I challenged the mindset that day when you encountered me was, would you let a vegan teach you how to hunt? That's right. I remember that now. You're exactly right. And I thought, now that is an interesting concept because uh, they have no... They have no uh, buy-in whatsoever to, you know, the hunting, any part of the hunting process, except that if they realized how much of their conservation dollars, you know, go towards, um, come from hunting. But yeah, so why would you talk to somebody that is completely outside of that world, right? Right. And, and take advice from them or get their take on anything because you know you're going to get a biased slant. So why are we then in turn allowing anti-gun people to educate us on firearms? Mm-hmm. Who can better ex- understand and explain what an individual with a gun is feeling when they're, they have it, whether they're using it for good or bad, more than people that live and breathe this every single day. Mm-hmm. So I just think that pro-gun people have a place in the urban settings, it can do a lot to reduce violence because we have a unique skill set and a unique way of approaching things. And then once you mix that in with the mentorship and showing positive, being a positive role model and things like that, you're actually changing things more so than just gun training. It's mental conditioning. If I can show a 16-year-old, 17-year-old kid that I'm a guy with a firearm that's a professional trainer, I'm on YouTube videos with all these great guys that he probably sees every time he clicks on the channels to look at the cool guns. And I'm behind the scenes at these gun manufacturers and I'm introducing new products. Then it takes him away from, oh, so you don't have to be a criminal. You mean to tell me I can just come shoot a gun and have a good time and I don't have to be a tough guy to do it? No. So and then you're able to be a role model, right? He's able to look and say, well, he carries a gun every day, but he's still a family guy, he's got kids and he cuts grass and washes cars and comes hangs out with me. So we can start changing what a gun guy is to people. Therefore, if somebody does tell them, hey, guns suck, they can be like, well, you know what? I can't agree with you now because I know a few people that are great people that happen to be teaching me the right way with firearms. So it's a way to work inside out. And I think it's a new approach and I'm just same rolling with it and trying to get it done. Absolutely. And I, you know, I think that's well, well said. And just the whole idea of mentoring people into uh, firearms training, you know, back, I don't know if there was still gun training in any of the schools when I was in school, but when my husband was in school, that was part of the curriculum. You know, it was just like uh, home ec or something like that. They had firearms training here in Arizona. And it was as normal as anything else. And so slowly as they, you know, pulled firearms out of, tried to anyway, the mainstream uh, thought process and, and made it where not even just in black communities, when impoverished communities like you're talking about, but in a lot of communities, it's like, what's wrong with you that you have a gun? Well, now we've got a bunch of people that are completely uninformed and would have no idea how to not hurt themselves if they encounter a firearm. And so, you know, to try to mentor people back into that world and even mentor people into hunting. I've never been hunting in my life, but I understand the conservation element of it and the uh, all the things that, that families learn when they go out in nature together and hunt together and that sort of thing. And we're actually facing, uh, from what I understand, the, the demographics of the average hunter 
is getting older and older. People, and oh, wow. if we don't start, you know, feeding into the younger generation, a lot, a big portion of our hunting uh, community is going to age out. So um, if we said that about the, the gun community, whatever that is, I'm sure people would jump, some people would jump up and applaud. Oh, yay, they're going to age out and then this thing will take care of itself. But they don't understand the, the other side of it. They don't understand the consequences. If we don't have hunters and we don't have those conservation dollars, that's going to wreak havoc on uh, our wild lands and that sort of thing. If we don't have people that understand their freedoms, if we don't have people that understand how to keep those freedoms and how to be safe and responsible while they're keeping those freedoms, you know, using firearms, uh, what do we have? Yeah, you, you have an opportunity for chaos and the loss of those freedoms. It's, it's funny that even when we think of mentoring, I think one, I would love to be able to go into our local school. So what we do is uh, the best thing I can do, I can't teach them. So I adopt a classroom every year. Our company adopts a classroom and we uh, supply the kids with, you know, fun games. Uh, we might go on field trips with them or financial dollars like, hey, the teacher needs a, a laminator for a classroom, you know, to do something cool or they need crayons or a kid doesn't have school shoes. We've given away bikes for good behavior. So we try to do those things to encourage the kids. Uh, there's a couple of videos I have out on now on my page where we're actually in a daycare uh, teaching the Eddie Eagle program and a little bit of a program I designed. Um, so we're, we're in a daycare and I even had my son who is, about to turn 11 years old, and he's been uh, training since he was four. He is actually a junior instructor, and so he goes in with the kids with me, and he was helping teach the kids. So now I have a 10-year-old helping teach five- and seven-year-olds. That's and amazing. Yeah, so it's like we're trying to get them and grow them. And so that's why I said, you know what, I don't want to just go grab adults and train them. For, to your point of making sure everyone's exercising their freedom, well, let me get them here. Let's educate them, give them positive role models to look up to that happen to be in firearms and other areas of life that are good natured. And let's show these kids not only safety, there are good guys with guns that might not have on a uniform, but guys that wear uniforms aren't all bad either. Um, and we can bring them up and show them, I can be safe. I can be cool. And my son, it was the biggest thing in the world for him. When he was like, I'm going to be teaching now? It was like so awesome for him. He was so excited. And it's like, yeah, man, I'm going to bring you in and you're going to teach because he's, I've been having him teach kids for a long time. It was just in an informal setting and he was definitely ready. So he goes in and the kids are looking at him like, wow, like we're learning from a peer and, you know, and then the mind uh, develops and learns better from a peer. Yeah. And then I'm there to support him. And it's like, everybody left happy. I had so many parents sending me emails, thanking me. They never would have thought of doing something like that. Um, so, you know, we want to make sure we're impacting everybody. So, so to the school point, not to ramble, even going into the daycares was great because we can bring those kids up. I'm using a 10 year old to teach five year olds. I'm learning every time he teaches somebody something because I'm loving the way he interacts with the kids. Um, he's learning from me because he's like, oh, cool. I want to keep doing this. I like this now, dad. So then when he turns 17, he's teaching his peers. When he turns 21, he's teaching his peers and so forth and so on. So we want to develop a nation of, uh, of people that can help keep our freedoms alive. That is so beyond awesome. I seriously, I, I wish that people will listen to this and, and steal your idea. <laughs> yeah, they should. <laughs> because <laughs> they should. You, you know, so just think what that has done for your son and the, the mindset he has about himself. He now understands that what he does, how he speaks, his, his behavior is influencing others. 
-hmm. And then when others want to do what he's doing, then they're going to get that same mindset. This is brilliant. I love that. So getting back to the, the actual uh, curriculum, if, you'll, uh, if that's the right word, okay. with your training, what kind of training do you do? Um, what kind of mental conditioning do you uh, want to talk about that's important? Um, and if people aren't like where they can come to your classes, what would you suggest for us to do? Okay, so as far as no other choice in our curriculum, uh, we definitely do a ton of work with handguns and rifles, uh, modern sporting rifles. Uh, we do work with shotguns, and the only thing we don't have a large access to is long distance. Here in Missouri, we really don't have a lot of places to really stretch out, so I'm kind of handicapped to my, my environment. Uh, but we do have affiliate instructors that will come in and they will you know, help teach those classes. Uh, but any platform of a firearm you have, we will teach you how to run it. As far as uh, what we do the most of is going to be handgun and rifle. It's just the most popular. Uh, handgun, we normally are running people through everything from your basic concealed carry class or your uh, basic just safety course, all the way up to what we call our Evolve series. And it goes to the mental conditioning. We don't do advanced because I think when you say the word advanced, it can be, it can be uh, kind, of a, kind of demanding. It makes people feel like I'm not ready, like yeah. I'm not ready. So yeah. I have been telling people for years, no, I want to evolve you. So we call our courses Evolve. Nice. We evolve the shooters. Um, so we can have Evolve 1 through Evolve 5. And depending on which level you're in, whether it be a carbine or a handgun or shotgun or whatever it may be, uh, the curriculum changes. So Evolve 1 is just getting you used to the commands, the stresses, what you're going to encounter in real life, the manipulation of your firearm, things you really should understand besides standing at a static range and shooting at a target that's not moving. Mm -hmm. um, get you just a general gist of what you're going to encounter. And then we climb up the ladder and we get you to getting in and out of vehicles and how to engage if you're getting out of your car at the, the uh, grocery store, how to get your family safe and things like that. Um, and with the rifle, pretty much the same thing, except of course we'll work on some uh, team drills, communication, uh, how to understand how to switch firearms. If one goes down, how to immediately let that go, get to your, uh, your secondary firearm. Um, the mental conditioning that we do in every class, we always start with no other choice. We always talk about that first. Hey guys, please remember, all this cool stuff we're gonna go over is an emergency pack. Now let's get to it. And we try to uh, always tell people, depending on who we have in the class, please understand how this is going to apply to you. So if you're a dad that's a pastor at the local church or you work at the local hardware store, those are great professions. Just please understand that you're gonna feel, if I did a good job, you're gonna feel overwhelmed, but you're also gonna feel empowered. You're gonna feel like, wow, I have better control. I'm better at this thing now. Well, remember, we want to calm down. Like, you ever went to a movie and got so immersed in a movie, like when you walk out, like if you go see Fast and Furious, you get in your car and you want to drive it real fast? It's kind of <laughs> like that same impulse. And we like, want to don't watch John Wick and, and, you know, then leave the house. Just stay home. <laughs> yeah, you need to calm down. <laughs> you might go outside and do something. Mm -hmm. um, and we, we try to implore them uh, in every training, every training class we're doing, like, hey, guys, please remember that you can be awesome at this skill set. And we're going to test you. I'm not, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a great, I feel I'm a great instructor because I'm a better student. I love learning from guys and I've learned from some really, really good instructors. And so when I'm, I'm giving people information, I'm like, hey, please remember that although if I did a good job, you're going to leave here, you're going to be like, he's the, this company is the best company in the world. This guy is awesome. I love every approach. That's, that's good. That's great. However, please remember that this is an emergency pack, guys. You, you, you cannot just go out and decide you're going to be intimidating or a bully. Now all of a sudden you're the bully and you're making everybody look bad. 
Uh, but we have a good time. We will push our students. Mental conditioning in our class is a biggie because I will try to mentally break you. Um, and not break you in the sense of you're going to leave and you need to start taking some kind of prescription medication. <laughs> break you in the sense where you don't, it's not as easy as it seems. It's not, when you get into these situations where firearms are being deployed and being pulled, there's a lot to consider in a little bit of time. And I, I even put out a recent uh, snippet from a training class I did a couple of weeks ago, uh, and it was a level one class, and I froze the shooter. I gave him, there were so many stressors, that was literally less than 10% of what you would have in real life. He froze up, and I had him talk about that experience. And he shared it with the class, and I recorded it, and it's out there for the people to look at. And he admitted it was just so much going on. I couldn't keep up. And that's what people have to understand. Yeah, it looks cool when you're watching your favorite YouTube videos and these guys are doing all this awesome stuff with guns. Consider their level of training, though. Mm -hmm. uh, and you need, to get, you need to get to that level before you think you can just go out in the world and perform with a firearm. Mm -hmm. What I would recommend for people that can't get me is you should request me. I think that's, uh, that's one thing. <laughs> I love uh, it. <laughs> I would definitely, uh, no other choice. We'll, we have been on the road and we would definitely come on the road. Uh, not only to do firearms training, but if you, you know, it's all about the logistics. All you have to do is uh, all the information to be up. You just contact us. It's all about the logistics. We make that make sense and we'll come out and do training uh, along with not only the firearms training. If you want to do, um, like I said, if now if you're out of town and you want to do long distance stuff, I will probably have to bring somebody in. But besides that, we can pretty much work with you. Um, if you want to even have someone just to come in outside of training and or you would like for us to come in and you want me to speak to an audience. There's an audience of people that you want to hear the message of how I present, what I think about the Second Amendment, and how we can all make it better. We're more than willing to do that, too. So not only training and fighting conditioning, we also want to help condition the minds to build more people that believe in the Constitution and freedom. So we will come out. We'll get you sweaty and muddy training. And then let's sit back and, and beat your brain up and get you to being stronger there, too. So we'll do it all. That's fantastic. Now, do go ahead and tell folks um, who just listened audibly and don't watch the video, um, tell them what your website is, because I think you, that's just get, getting built up, right? The website yeah. and how to find you on Facebook and Instagram and all that. Sure. So if you want to find us on the web, and please be friendly with the website, it is just up. We're having a big launch of it on July 5th. <laughs> I think it looks great already. <laughs> Oh, thank you. It's a uh, nootherchoice.net. That's nootherchoice.net uh, for the website. If you want to find us on social media, you can go to NOC for No Other Choice Firearms Training on Facebook. It's also NOC Firearms Training, all one word, on Instagram. And if you want to find us on YouTube, it's just NOC for No Other Choice Firearms Channel on YouTube. And you can catch everything out there. So those are all our platforms. And on Twitter as well, it's just NLC Firearms Training on Twitter, which I'm, I'm trying to start really dabbling into. Uh, it's a new one for me, but we're, we're on all the platforms. And please, I can't implore your listeners enough. Reach out. There's nothing wrong with sending me a, a private message, uh, anything like that. Oh, you can always give our office a call too. We just, we're expanding. I'm happy about that. So um, awesome. I don't have everything remembered here, but uh, our, our phone number is uh, area code 314-699-4466 if you want to give us a call. Uh, so please, I can't implore people enough. Uh, reach out if you want training in your area. Awesome. If you want somebody to come speak to you or an audience you have. Awesome. If you want to chit chat with me like me and Cheryl are doing today. Awesome. Just reach out to us and let us know. We're willing to do any and everything to help good people. That's fantastic. Now, I, I do need to start wrapping up, but I wanted to touch on something that is, you know, topical. It's the topic of the day. Um, the verdict has come through on the uh, Philando Castile um, 
death, uh, trial of the officer. And um, I don't want to just dive in and just, you know, start hashing about what we think, you know, was it, uh, you know, a, a good shooter, a bad shooter, anything like that. Personally, what I've heard is uh, people are shocked that, that their, the officer wasn't held responsible for something. But um, these kinds of things become so polarizing that it becomes difficult to even talk about. Because, uh, you know, I have friends, we have a lot of friends in the, the law enforcement community, and some of them, you know, they're, they're so fraternal, and it's a beautiful thing to be, you know, so connected with their community, but they, they can't hear anything other than everyone who's ever gone to police academy needs to have a halo and wings, period, end of story. And if you're not 100% pro police officer, no matter what, then somehow that makes you anti-police officer, which I'm nothing could be farther from the truth for me. But, you know, then there's people on the, the, the other side, the public side that are saying, you know, almost the same things. Like you can't even suggest that maybe the person, whoever it was, Philando or whoever it was, could we learn something from this? Could we examine what happened as best we can and say, if we could rewind and he wouldn't have said this or wouldn't have done this or whatever, could it help save lives in the future? I want to be able to do that and not sound like I'm victim blaming, you know, blaming the guy for being dead because it's his fault. I want to, to engage in critical thinking like you were challenging us to do earlier and just try to, to look at it. And from a trainer's perspective, is there something we can learn from this and, and not, you know, risk that somebody's going to be able to pigeonhole us and say, ah, yeah, I knew they were pro cop or I knew they were, you know what I'm saying? Is right. there something from a trainer's perspective that you could talk about the situation to the best of your knowledge that could potentially uh, save a life one day? Because we'll have remembered somewhere in our mind that Kevin Dixie from No Other Choice Training said maybe maybe this would have made it different yeah absolutely uh and just to quickly quickly lead into it uh it's one tip i i teach my students in my concealed carry class that i believe would have helped uh but i would i would say this i tell people all the time i am i am pro-law enforcement it's it's something we have to have in this country i am pro-law enforcement and i have guys on my team with the no other choice team that are cops that work with us uh, I worked for uh, the St. Louis City Police Department for almost a decade of my life in the prisoner processing division. Uh, so I built a bond with a lot of these guys, but I am more pro-justice than anything. Yes. Uh, so when something unfortunate happens to one of my citizens, that takes precedent over everything else, second yes. to none. In yes. uh, this young man's uh, incident, uh, which I, you know, I'll say a murder, it was just, it was bad. Um, but in that situation, two training tips and one would be first for the officer yeah. uh, that was involved. I mentioned earlier in this conversation that even when you present a firearm, there might be a moment for you to make up your mind if you really have to depress that trigger or not. Mm. Uh, I don't think he took that opportunity. Mm. I believe he reacted. Um, the gun was, uh, it was being drawn in increments out of his holster. Uh, from what I've seen on the video, the best I could see it. Mm -hmm. He was drawn in the increments as they were exchanging dialogue, and it immediately, when it came out of the holster, 
it went, you know, a foot or so away from uh, the gentleman, and he just he fired seven shots into the car at the rapid concession. Mm-hmm. Um, there never was a, a way to institutionalize what we call pistol paralyzation. So when a firearm is pointed at an individual, that's why, you know, you go back to the, the 80s and even now freeze because the mental, the mind wants to survive. The human being at the other end of that barrel wants to survive. So even if Mr. Castile was making a move that wasn't suggested, let's say he was fidgeting, trying to get his wallet out. He wasn't even going for the gun, but the cop was definitely being nervous about that. You know, that was an opportunity for him to step back because you have to remember, people are going to be nervous a lot of times when they're pulled over. Just if you're not doing anything wrong, just the fact you're interacting, you might get a ticket makes you nervous. Um, So he's going to be a little nervous. He might not hear your commands clearly. So when you presented that gun in increments, there was an opportunity for you to use pistol paralyzation, create a little distance from him at gunpoint where you can move to safety. You have a partner supporting you. And you can give those commands. And that, if nothing else, would have been a huge reminder to him. Okay, oh, I'm sorry. It was just my wallet. I apologize. No, that would have been a reminder. Um, so that's an opportunity he didn't take advantage of. Um, so I think he had another option, and he didn't exercise it. To, Mr., uh, to, to gentlemen that will be the drivers or ladies that will be driving the vehicles. Uh, so... I've often taught my students that, you know, understand things in their complexity, but be able to execute them with simplicity. Mm-hmm. So the com- complexity of a thing is that uh, communication with an individual starts before you ever make verbal contact with them. So when an officer is pulling you over, everything you're doing physically is communicating with what kind of encounter they possibly can have. And we have to be understanding of that. They do have a heck of a job to do, and we have to be understanding. Sure. Uh, but I always recommend. Uh, that you pull your vehicle over, whatever your state laws are, safe to the right normally, uh, but add a few extra things to it. And this isn't just for a particular group of people. This is for everybody. Um, let's pretend the conditions are dark, okay? You pull your vehicle over. Cops have code three lights or whatever system they run on top of their vehicles. You have something that's minute but very similar. It's called your hazard lights, right? Everybody pays attention to hazard lights if you see them. Mm-hmm. Cut them on. Okay, yeah, he's got these big fancy flashy things you got these little amber blinkers cut them on uh disable your vehicle turn the ignition off place the keys on top of the vehicle let any obstruction down let all your windows down if you have a sunroof let it back illuminate the inside of your vehicle for they can clearly see everything that's going on in the vehicle once you've done those things i don't i personally wouldn't want you reaching for a license or anything like that hands at the 10 and 2 grab onto that steering wheel my recommendation, even if your state law doesn't require it, is when that officer gets to that vehicle, because you've done a lot of great talking. Think of everything you told them. You don't mind people looking. You've illuminated the inside of the vehicle. You've removed any obstructions by being your windows, especially if you have window tent. Mm-hmm. And you've locked your arms still, and you disabled the vehicle. You're not going anywhere. You're not running from them. You probably don't want a confrontation. You're sitting still, and you don't mind people paying attention. Mm-hmm. This is probably going to be a better stop for him than what he originally would have walked up to. Once he or she gets to your vehicle, hey, I'm officer so-and-so with the X and X police department. Uh, do you know why I stopped you? Officer, what I want to inform you now, which is pretty what Mr. Castile did, what I would like to inform you is that I have a valid right to carry the firearm, whether you have a concealed carry permit or your constitutional carrying. There is a firearm in the vehicle. Make sure these extremities remain perfectly still. This is the only muscle moving, hmm. period. And you communicate that. You hold on to that steering wheel. Once that officer from there will give you directives and you, but you want to tell them because you're in control of that stop too. Mm-hmm. Hey officer, how would you like for me to proceed? Mm-hmm. And then that you'll get instructions. So how do we prevent accidents or miscommunication happening from that point forward? 
here's a couple of tips. One, listen to what you're told to do. Just cooperate. Uh, two, I am right-handed. Majority of people are. So nine times out of 10, my gun is going to be to the right side of my body. Well, when you're communicating with that officer, you have a firearm. I want you to verbalize the gun. It's on my right hip or it's in the glove box to my right. Give him a direction of that gun. Just using this muscle, never these. Give him the direction of the gun, but especially if it's on your body. Hey, officer, the firearm is on my right hip. This is all in the introduction of you have it. Um, he'll say, okay, I still need to get the information, however it may be. But although my gun is on my right hip and a lot of men carry their wallets in their right pocket, their right rear pocket, my gun is on my right. So for misdirection, I always keep my wallet on my left, in my left front pocket. That's where my wallet is at all times. Mm -hmm. So if I communicated to the officer the direction of the firearm, mm -hmm. I'm locking eyes with him so he can see that I'm paying attention. His eyes are focused. I'm focused. Mm -hmm. And I'm letting him know. I am now reaching to my left to present the information you requested. I am reaching to my left, officer. I want to remind you, my mm -hmm. firearm is to my right. I'm going to grab my wallet. I want to remind you, officer, I'm reaching to my left. I'm going slow. I'm very methodical. Once I present the entire wallet, no digging in the car, present mm -hmm. the entire wallet, then I want you to turn, stick your arms outside of the window, mm -hmm. and dig through the wallet outside of the vehicle. Both of your arms are outside the vehicle. Your torso is turned. The gun still should be pinned against the center console. He has full, full control of you if he decides he needs to grab onto your arms or anything like that. Mm -hmm. But while your hands are busy holding onto your wallet, presenting the information, how can you ever be accused of reaching for anything? Yeah. So I think that tip will really help people. So long story short, communicate physically before you ever have the verbal. Um, I would highly advise informing them. And I feel like a hypocrite even saying that after what happened, but I still would recommend doing it. Your gun's on your right. Keep your wallet in your left front. So if your gun's on your right side at 3 o'clock or 4.30, keep your wallet, you know, front left pocket, not even in the rear, because all the human's going to see is your body moving forward. Like right. you're trying to gain access. Right. Um, and that's the, that's the best thing for that situation I can say do. And after that, um, be patient, listen to whatever you're told to do. And I, and I always tell people, I want you to make it away from the traffic stop. I want you and that officer to make it away from the traffic stop. And if you feel that anything that happened during that traffic stop was an injustice to you, mm -hmm. then let's all fight it and make sure it's fixed. Mm -hmm. But we can't do that if you're not alive to talk about it. And unfortunately, this gentleman is not. Well, I really appreciate you kind of breaking that down for us. And, you know, you've helped us just visualize how it would go. Uh, so I think that's really going to, you know, help even me the next time. Hope <laughs> pulled over. Maybe I, hopefully I won't. Um, I'm a little bit of a speed demon once in a while. Uh, but, um, you know, when I think about if, if Philando had not announced that he had a gun in the car, I don't know what the laws are of that state. So I don't know if that would have been. You know, I don't know if he had to announce or not, but that announcing is what made the officer, I think, afraid. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I, what do we do? Do we still go ahead and announce, but then, and, but then operate the way that you're saying where our hands are visible, our arms are rigid, the only muscle moving is our mouth. I, I mean, I guess that would really take care of a lot of the other um, possible mis, miscommunications that could have come into play. Yeah, I believe even though this incident didn't work out well, because I, do, I believe Mr. Castile was 99.9% .9 on, on target with what he did. Uh, I think he did everything pretty much right. And you can, you can nitpick at him, but overall he did everything right. I do believe that if we allow this, this unfortunate traumatic incident to deter us from carrying for one, I don't want anybody not to legally carry their firearm after it. I, I still want you armed. 
I still want you going to get your training. Um, and if, if you use the technique that I just gave, or maybe somebody has a better one, you know, put it out there, do a YouTube video on it, you know, put that information out there so we can all learn. Uh, but I want people to understand that this wasn't an issue of just uh, a man being gunned down on the side of the road that was tragic. This was an, a, an unfortunate incident that I feel personally attacked everything we stand for in the two-way community. It attacked even our Second Amendment rights. I should be able to inform you that I have a firearm in a responsible, respectful manner um, and it not be that alarming to you. So why is it? And I agree with you. I believe the officer was a little jumpy, mm -hmm. but why? What about the firearm made you so jumpy? What does that say about our culture? So in a state where they have pretty decent gun rights, that shouldn't alarm you that much. And I think that's what's open that, that opens the dialogue to race. And I think that's why people start throwing it in there. Was it because of a skin tone that all of a sudden coupled with the firearm, you became jumpy. And even if that wasn't the case for you, you've opened that dialogue. So that's what I mean by now you've caused harm to the Second Amendment. So I don't want people to take this unfortunate incident, as traumatic as it is, and all of a sudden be fearful of exercising their rights because we can't allow the actions of this man or any other man to hinder us in our growth and to hinder us from chasing our freedom. So I don't want anybody being deterred. Matter of fact, in the state of Minnesota uh, and all over the country, we should be flooding concealed carry classes. We should be flooding training classes. And we should be going to instructors that are not only teaching us, that are competent, that are understanding. I want you to not only instruct me how to operate this firearm, instruct me how to survive encounters with it, even when I'm not using it. And that's what we have to get to. So if you, if you guys want to, if anybody wants to change that, sign up for a class, take training, open dialogue, have these conversations so we can make sure that our community uh, whether it be the Second Amendment community or our African-American community, no community is forced to submit to the actions of any system or any man. And we need to make sure we continue to push that forward. Amen. Couldn't say it any better than that. Kevin Dixie of No Other Choice Firearms Training, thank you again so much for taking all this time to be with us here today. And uh, just as we close out, tell folks once again how they can reach out to you, maybe your phone number again, uh, or your, your website that is almost 100% up and running. <laughs> yes, the almost 100% website is uh, nootherchoice, all spelled out, all lowercase, dot net, nootherchoice.net. If you want to find me on Facebook, uh, a couple of different ways to do it. It's NOC for No Other Choice, NOC Firearms Training. You can also look up Kevin Dixie. My last name is Diaz and Dog, I-X-I-E, on Facebook to find me there. If you want to find us on Instagram, it's NOC Firearms Training, all one word, and the same thing for Twitter. And for our YouTubers out there, you can find us at NOC, for no other choice, Firearms Channel on YouTube. And stay tuned in because we have a lot of great things coming up we didn't get the chance to talk about today. But uh, I would love, actually, I would love to be back on to tell you about a great community event we have coming up August the 5th that's yeah. open to the public to do these exact things, including we're gonna do live mock traffic stops with a couple of police officers where we're actually putting the civilians in the role of the cop and the cop in the role of the civilian, and we're gonna walk everybody through it in a controlled, safe environment, while also attacking things like mental illness, finances, opportunities for children, school enrollment, uh, mental conditioning for adults. We're offering free firearms training for all the families that show up, free childcare for the adults when they come. It, it's a great event, I can't wait to talk about it more. 
Absolutely. You are 100% coming back here. And then your website will be 100%. So it'll be like 200%. All the oh, same. yeah. <laughs> It'll be all, all, all up, all the percentages. I love it. Thank you again so much, Kevin Dixie. No other choice. Firearms training. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.